Because if you only knew what a God, that was God. If you only knew. And it confirmed with me, but I had been struggling and struggling and struggling what I need to do today. And it just, that just confirmed it for me. Aren't you glad that no matter what we go through, there's always Jesus? Many, many folks who come to church, there's different paths of how we get here. There's different paths how we get to Jesus. There's different paths in our Christian life. And many times in our Christian life, even then, we still, we still feel broken at times. And even then, we still feel like everything's shattered to pieces. And we don't know where the blessing of it is. We don't know what God is doing. Sometimes we feel ashamed. And sometimes that shame makes us not want to not want to be at church. We would rather just hide out and deal with our shame by ourselves rather than, rather than come and be with God's people. I hope that you'll see this morning that Jesus always knows where we are. He knows where we are. I, uh, I come before you this morning and... Um, I'm tired. I am emotionally and mentally tired. You ever get that way? I think I've been taught that I'm not supposed to say that. But I, I've never been like everybody else. I have always tried to be real. And transparent. That's all I know to be. And sometimes that gets me in trouble. But I'm tired. And I come to church this morning. I str I'm struggling. I ain't gonna lie to you. I'm struggling. And then we sing, and man, it's be ooh. It just helped me this morning when we sang today. It stirred my heart. Because it puts my eyes on Jesus, not on me. Puts my eyes back on the Lord. And then I hear that song. And the Lord's been directing my heart. And I, I've been very careful of this because I don't want it to be me. I've been really nervous. It's, been, it's me that's doing this because I'm tired. And... I've been really nervous about that, but I can't get away from it. I've tried and tried and tried to go in a different direction, and I can't. And I come here this morning, and God's just confirming that I just need to be real with you this morning. So I'm just going to be real with you. I'm not the greatest preacher you'll ever hear. 
I don't get invites all over the country to go preach somewhere. I'm not ever going to write a book. God didn't call me to any of those things. He just called me to be a pastor. I know that's God's calling on my life. To shepherd God's people. And I try not to be a shepherd who sits up in a fancy house somewhere. I try to be with a sheep. This morning I'm going to share some things with you. We're going to look at some things with Abraham really quick. Now I'm getting up here late, so bear with me. And then I'm going to share some personal things with you. And I really, really believe it will help you. I'm going to be real with you. Genesis chapter 12, let's all stand together. Verse number 1. Now the Lord had said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country. And from thy kindred and from thy father's house into a land that I will show thee. And I will make of thee a great nation. And I will bless thee and make thy name great. And thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee and curse him that curseth thee. And in thee shall all the families of the earth be blessed. So Abram departed as the Lord had spoken in him. And Lot went with him. And Abram was seventy and five years old. When he departed out of Haran. And Abram took Sarai and his wife and Lot his brother's son. And all their substance that they had gathered. And the souls that they had gotten in Haran. And they went forth to go into the land of Canaan. And into the land of Canaan they came. And Abram passed through the land and the place of Sikkim. Under the plain of Mori. And a Canaanite was then in the land. And the Lord appeared unto Abram and said unto thy seed will I give this land. And there builded he an altar unto the Lord, who appeared unto him. Father, there's the word. This is where you've directed my heart today. And I pray, Father, that you will use it and my testimony to be a help to everyone gathered here today. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. You may be seated. First time Abram shows up is in chapter 11. We see a genealogy there and his father. And we see that he had three brothers and one of them's his nephew was Lot. And we see there that Terah took Abram in verse 31 and Lot, the son of Haran, his son's son. And they traveled a little ways until Terah died. And then the Lord shows up to Abram in chapter 12, makes a covenant with him, gives him a promise, gives him a word from the Lord that would impact not only his life, but the generations that would follow all the way down to us today. We see that. Boy, that's a special time that the Lord spoke with Abram. I want you to notice in verse number 4 that Abram at this time is 75 years old. Now Abram, he lives to be 175. 
I don't think any of us are going to live that long. So I, I, I like to do numbers, and so I just did numbers. I, I calculated if, if, he lived to be, if he lived to be 175 in today's, in today's lifespan, what would that look like? And 75 divided by 175 comes out to a little over 40%. And if the average lifespan today is 75, that puts me at about 32. All right? I think that's right, if I remembered it right. So Abram, he's 75 years old. And God gave him this wonderful, wonderful promise. God gave him that promise in verse number 13. We, we start seeing some things. Uh, Genesis begins to deal here with Abram's life and how God got him to where he wanted him to be. And you go on down to verse 13, down to verse 20, and there you, you read of a famine that took place. And Abram had traveled a long ways. He got to that land, and there's a famine that takes place. And you'll read in those eight verses that he went down to Egypt. And uh, there he... He really shouldn't have been there. Do you know in the Bible that Egypt is a type of the world? And a lot of times God blesses us, but we go to places in hard times where we shouldn't be. I think we'll find that we relate to Abram in a lot of ways. And before I get too far, let me just say this. We read the Bible and we, we see and we call them heroes of the faith. But I want us to understand this, Mark. Every one of them were sinners. Every one of them. And every one of them had their own struggles. And we don't see all of their struggles. And the ones that we do, think about that. God printed them for all of eternity for us to read. How would you like your sin to be, to be revealed to the whole world? They're, they're sinful. They're, in a sense, they're wicked men. They're made just like we are. We're all sinners and come short of the glory of God. So Abram's not unique as if he had a silver spoon in his mouth from the very beginning. He was a, he was a sin, sinner in need of God's. And so God spoke to him and he begins to follow the Lord. He enters that land and a famine takes place. And what does he do? He goes down. He doesn't stay where he was supposed to be. He went down to Egypt. And uh, he, he saw the Pharaoh there, and he says, Look, honey, Sarai, you're a beautiful woman. If, if we tell everybody you're my wife, they're going to kill me. And so let's just tell them that you're my sister. How would you like that on Valentine's Day? Send that Valentine's card on Wednesday. I love you like my sister. Mm, not going to go very far. He's in a mess. Listen. If God's called you out of the world, don't go back to the world. All right? So, that takes place. He, shouldn't, he, really, he really shouldn't be there. But that's where he was. And there are times in our life where we end up places that we really shouldn't be. We really shouldn't have been there. But we were. And thank God for his mercy and his grace for getting us out of it. Then you get to chapter 13 and... You read down verses 1 through 13, and you see the family separates. Lot's with him up to this point, but the family and the servants, they can't get along. They're bickering amongst one another, and they finally just decide, listen, the best thing for us to do is separate. We just need to move away from one another, get a little space there. Still love you, Abraham. Lot, I still love you. 
But it's not good for us to live together. We need, we need a little bit of space. He goes, Abraham says, Lot, he says, you know what? You choose wherever you want to go, wherever you want to live. And Lot made his decision, and so Abraham went his way, and the Lord showed up with him. And, and, uh, and, and verses 14 through 18, the Lord reminded Abram of his covenant that he made with him earlier. Sometimes in our life, people, those that we love, we don't always get along. Still love one another. But sometimes we just need a little separation. Get to chapter 14, and chapter 14 is Lot gets in trouble because he is surrounded himself with the wrong people. He's amongst Sodom and Gomorrah, and there's a lot of wickedness that's going on, and Lot's doing his best to live righteous in that area in that time. But he surrounds himself with the wrong people and he gets caught up in the wrong, wrong place at the wrong time. And Abraham has to come and rescue him, chapter 14, he and his servants. Genesis 15, Abram is really, he's telling the Lord, the Lord comes to him in a vision. And the Lord and Abram just tells him, verse 2, basically tells him, hey, do you remember me? Abram said in verse 2, Lord God, what wilt thou give me, seeing I go childless, and the steward of my house is Elijah Damascus. You told me he's going to bless me with a, a child. You're going to bless my, my, my children, generations that's going to follow me. That, that hasn't happened yet. Do you remember? Do you remember that promise that you made me? The Lord speaks to him and shows him some things. and You get down to verse number 13 and... And the Lord told him, he says, he said unto Abram, Know of a surety that thy seed shall be a stranger in a land that is not theirs, and shall serve them, and they, they shall afflict them four hundred years. And also that nation whom they shall serve will I judge, and afterwards shall they come out with great substance. That's long after Abraham's going to be gone. And he's speaking there of how, how Abraham's children are going to end up in Egypt, and they're going to be servants there, and one day they're going to be led out of there and they're going to be led out with great substance and God's going to bless them and eventually as you get to the end of the chapter they're going to make it into that promised land, the land of the Canaanites and the Kenites. Do you realize today that some of the things we're doing today we're not going to see the fruit of it? But because we made the decisions we made generations that will follow our grandchildren, our great-grandchildren, our great-great-grandchildren who come after us long after we're gone will be blessed by the decisions we made today. We won't see the fruit of it for many generations. Then you get to Genesis 16, and 11 years have passed. Since Genesis 12, he's, you see at the end of the chapter that Abram is now 86 years old. And in this chapter, he and his wife grow impatient with God. God says, I'm going to bless you with a child. Well, it's been 11 years. Still don't have a child. We're getting old. Still don't have a child. And so Sarah... Sarai comes up with a plan. He says, why don't, she says, why don't you take Hagar, my maidservant? Why don't you go lie with her? Why don't you allow her to have your child and we'll have a child? And he did that. He shouldn't have done it. He did it. And boy, that didn't help things. It made pro big problems in the house. That didn't help anything. So there he is. He's getting out of the will of God. He's... he's Again, and the reason he did that is because he's grown impatient. He's grown impatient. 
How many times do we try to force God, we, we try to force God into doing something that He's not ready to do yet? And we grow impatient and we try to make the will of God happen. And so we just take, every, we just take matters in our own hands. And how many times have we done that and made a mess of things rather than things come out the way we thought they would? Well, you get to chapter 17 and another 13 years have passed. Between Genesis 16, 16 and last verse of the chapter in Genesis 17, 1, 13 years pass. Now he's, now he's 99 years old. And God renews that covenant with him. He comes to him and he gives him the covenant of circumcision here in this in this particular chapter, they're sanctified and set apart as a people. All of the males within his household. God's establishing his covenant. He's, and he's getting prepared to pour that blessing out that, he's always, that he talked about almost 25 years ago. You get to chapter 20, and there he goes again. He goes down there and he about loses his wife. He journeyed from thence in verse 1. He went to a, toward the south country and dwelled between Kadesh and Shur and journeyed to Gerar. And there he is again. Hadn't learned his lesson, verse 2. He says, honey, won't you be my sister again? He just about lost his wife. Sometimes, sometimes mar marriage is hard. And marriage goes through seasons. It's, it's wonderful and sometimes it's challenging. And sometimes we get to a place and couples, they have, they, they have trouble. and We all have trouble. And that stuff goes on within our home. And you got life, you got all of these things you're dealing with and strife and trouble and struggles and you're trying to do what you think is right, and she's trying to do what she thinks is right, and next thing you know, if you're not careful, you, you, you home split. Happens, don't it? Happens, every, I mean, not everyone, thank the Lord, but it happens quite often. Well, you get to chapter 21. 25 years have passed. Now Abram's 100, and we see that Isaac is born. Believe it or not, God keeps his word. God kept his word. It just wasn't on Abram's timeline. And now at this time, his name's Abraham, and his wife's name's Sarah, and they have a child named Isaac, and Isaac's the one that God had always said he would have, and God, Isaac's the one that he's going to bless. In chapter 22, we see the testing of Abraham and when he offers up Isaac. And at that time, you got a question, God, why are you doing this? I don't know. Do y'all get the picture here? Did God love Abraham? Yes. Way back when he was over there in the land of Ur of the Chaldees, and God called him out of that, did he, did he love Abraham? Yes. 
And way back over there, God saw Abraham and where he was and the line, the family that he came from, the the generations that led up to that. God knew where he was, and God's going to do something unique in his life. And he calls them out of that. He says, I want you to follow me because I've got some things for you that I'm going to do in your life. That you're, I'm, going to, I'm going to do some things for you and through you that are going to bless generations long after you're gone. Wow. And Abraham obeyed the Lord and he did that. And he ends up and he ends up in this land, and God's not going to give him that land just yet. He's going to go through some things before he gets it, before his children get it. And he, and he doesn't give him that child for 25 years. And I don't know about you, but I get, I get impatient after 25 days, much less 25 years. And here he is. And how many times can we look it over our life? And we say, God, I don't know what you're doing. I don't know what you're doing. And the whole time I'm telling you this, I'm telling you this, gentlemen. Through all of that, your reaction to that is a huge step in your walk with the Lord. You know, I got saved when I was eight years old. You know, I wasn't raised in church every Sunday. I didn't get back in church until I was 19 and was blowing my life away. Mistake after mistake after mistake. No college, no college ball. Didn't want to do it, threw it away. Those opportunities. Had an academic scholarship. Education paid for, I tried it a year, I hated it, didn't want nothing to do with it. Decided I'd work with my hands. Spent some time, 19 years old, I decided through some events that took place, I'm not going to go back into them, but I decided to go to church. And I realized that time when I was at church that there were some things there that I needed. I didn't know what they were, but I knew that there was something happening at that place that I needed. Was it a perfect church? I promise you it was not a perfect church. I promise you it was not a perfect church. Was that pastor perfect? I promise you he was not perfect. Were the people perfect? They were not perfect. But I needed something in that place, and what it was is I needed the Word of God. And I began to grow. And I spent... I spent the next several years in that place, and I was growing, and I was learning, and in the midst of all that, I was still making some dumb mistakes. I was still a young man who was trying to get the world out of him and become more consecrated and sanctified, and I still made some dumb decisions, and I got myself at times in a mess, and I had to apologize, and I had to get things right. I was just young. But I, but I know this, every time it was revealed to me that I'd done something wrong, I didn't run from it, I didn't hide it, I confessed it. I said, you know what, I went right about that, and I got that matter right, and God forgave. I've seen the grace and the mercy of God at work. Around 1995, I started preaching. 
I didn't get a call to preach like some preachers say. It wasn't in a church service where the Holy Spirit was on me and, 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 and man, I better, I better follow the Lord. The Lord's going to kill me or whatever. I didn't have that testimony, Cecil. The Lord was doing a work in my heart. And he was changing me, and I noticed that was a change. And if God could change me, then I knew he could change other people. And therefore, I started visiting people. I started looking for opportunities, and, and I just started sharing the gospel everywhere I went. Was I perfect? I wasn't perfect. Did I know everything, Logan? I did not know everything. I just knew what God was doing in my life. And I thought it could help people. So I'd invite people to come. Next thing I know, the Lord's opened up opportunities to share a testimony, and people would... People would listen to that and it would affect people and they'd come and people would get saved or people get in church or whatever and different things were happening and God was using me and the whole time, man, I'm, I'm growing but I sure ain't who I am now. After some time, the Lord moved me out of that church and he moved me up to Tennessee to a different church and there I was going to learn some other things. A little, learn a little bit about grace. I served there for a little while. My wife and I, we dated while she was in college. We got married. Built us a house in 2001. We got married in 2002. We had a little boy in 2004. And I was sitting on the front row with her, my wife. Maybe, I don't know if Garrett was sitting there or not, but we were sitting right, right there. And my preacher was preaching out of the book of Ezra. And he said something just in passing that spoke to my heart. And it stirred me up so much that I got up and I came to the altar. And I was right here in the middle of the sermon while he is still preaching. He's not even halfway through. Can God speak to your heart in the middle of a sermon? Yes. Do you got to wait to respond until after the sermon? I'm telling you, no. I came right then. God was smiting my heart about some things and showing me some things. And I didn't know what it was, but man, it was stirring me. And I got up from there and I left the church and I went back home and I got upstairs in one of our bedrooms and I began to study that scripture out. And I remember telling God, I remember being in that room at 1288 New Market Road and I cried out to God. I said, God, where are the men like that today? And that still small voice spoke to my heart and says, I want you to be that man. And it affected me, and I'd like, well, what does that mean? I don't know what that means. And then a couple of months later, and I go to the mailbox, and I, I get a mail from a preacher that was a very influential in my life. And, and I open that letter as I'm walking 300 foot up to our driveway, and, and I'm reading that letter, and he's telling me that he's dying of cancer. Powerful man of God. And I said, God, who's going to replace him? And that still small voice walking up that driveway, that gravel driveway with ruts in it, that still small voice says, why don't you replace him? I'm growing. Lord, I don't know how. What does that mean? I don't know what that means. And I'm studying and I'm, I'm, I'm doing all of this stuff. And my pastor asked me to preach a revival service. And, and it was, a, it was a, we was having two preachers a night, three or four days. He was asking different preachers. And I was the opening preacher. And I remember studying, preparing for that, and I told my wife, I said, Christy, I said, I don't know what God's doing, but God's doing something. I said, God's doing something. And I remember I got up there that night and I preached. 
And I, we got done, and, and the Lord stirred that place, and we were leaving. We were walking out the back door of that church. And uh, I, I remember I shook hands with this couple. And I, I shook their hand, and I talked to them real in passing. And I said, well, I'll see you all again soon. They thought that was a prophetic statement. I was just being polite. I hadn't seen them in a long time. I didn't expect to see them soon. I was just being polite. What I didn't know that night is their pastor had just left their church. And they called my pastor a couple of days later and they said, Hey, do you think Ricky would be interested in pastoring a church? And he says, I don't know if he would or not. You'll have to ask him. And I didn't know if I was or not. And so I just... I just agreed to come, and I know when I pulled up on that church parking lot, that little, little, that little country church, I pulled up on that church parking lot, and the building falling apart, it looked, I'm just, I'm just telling the truth, it looked condemned. And I walked in that door, and that still small voice said, this is where, this is where I want you to be. And I preached that day, and I got done, and they invited me to come back the next Sunday. And I said, well, i got to get that approved my pastor. I can't miss two Sundays in a row. i got responsibilities. I called him. He says, yeah, go do it. They called me, and they called me back, and then, we want you to come the third week. And after the third week, I came in there, and they said, what do you think? Do you think God might have you pastor this church? And I told him, I said, God let me know that the first time I stepped foot on here. I just needed you to know that. And I pastored that church. And we rebuilt that. We, we gutted the whole church building. God uses that construction talent, I'm telling you. Don't learn to use a hammer. <laughs> we, re, we gutted that whole building. We rebuilt it all, did it all cash money. Man, it was cool. It was an exciting time. And that church began to grow. And it just got to a point where it was a little, it was a little small country church and they didn't want it to grow no more than that. It, we reached our limit. And man, I'm growing, Mark. I am growing the Lord. I am hungry. I'm working a construction job, and I'm trying to do that less and less and less because as much as I loved it, I'm trying to get over here, and I, I'm wanting to preach. I'm wanting to help people with the gospel. And, and I thought, man, I love to build stuff, but anybody can learn to build stuff. Not everybody's a preacher. And I wanted to preach. So I'm trying to give up that more and more, and I'm trying to do more of this, and, and we, we take less and less money, and we're, we're broke, and we're poor, and we got, now we got twins, and Will's been born, and twins are on the way. What are we going to do? And I'm growing the Lord, and I said, Lord, there's some more things that I want to learn. I, there's, there's some more, you, you, you've gotten me here now. Now what do you want me to do? I'm, I'm trying to learn. I want to learn something. And uh, there was this particular group that we ran with, independent Baptist churches, we, we ran with them. And you've heard me say enough about that. They didn't like anybody. They hated everybody. They hated their church. And I was at a Bible conference, preacher's conference, and I heard enough of that. And I, I told Christy, I said, I'm done with this. They don't love their church. They need to find something else to do. I'm going to tell you something right now. Your pastor don't do nothing but brag on you. I love you. Do you frustrate me sometimes? Yeah, you do. 
I frustrate you sometimes, but I love you. Listen. There came to a point, I, 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 said, I said, we're done with this. And when I, when, when I made that decision, I lost all my friends. I lost them all. Every one of them. Lost them. Any of, those, any of those people would never set foot in Somerville Baptist Church, I'm just telling you. Lost them all. I told Christy, I said, that's all right. God's got big things in store for us. We're just going to follow him. And then there went a period of time where I just felt broken and empty. And I kept crying out to God, God, what are you doing? I'm listening, I'm here. I'm wanting to grow, and God ain't answering. And so I just keep preaching. And I asked, I, asked, I asked a preacher, I said, if there is any preacher that you would stop whatever you're doing, if he was nearby, you'd go hear him preach, who would it be? And this preacher said, R.B. Ouellette. And I said, Roulette? He said, R.B. Ouellette. I said, who is that? I looked him up. Couldn't find a whole lot on him. Then it, as I researched a little bit more, I found out he was connected to Paul Chapel. And I, I ordered a book from Paul Chapel called The Spiritual Leader Changed My Life. I told Christy, I was reading that book. I said, Christy, I said, this is, this is, this is what I've been looking for. These people are, this is, the, this is the philosophy of ministry that I have that the Lord's been instilling in my heart. I just never seen nobody do it this way. And so I'm trying to learn. And I finally decided, I told Christy, I said, you know what we're going to do? We're going to sell everything and we're going to move to California. This is 2011. I talked to Dr. Toby Weaver, and I said, listen, we never been there, but we're preparing to sell our house. I want to go there, and I got some things I want to learn. I want to learn. I want to become a better pastor. And so he had it set up. We had realtors scheduled to meet. I was working third shift job, but this time Christy picked me up from work. We dropped off the kids. We got in the car. We were headed to Nashville to the airport. It's pouring down rain. And she lost control of the car. It hydroplaned. We went off the interstate backwards. I remember as clear as anything, I put my arm on her. And I said, this is going to hurt. I remember it. And we hit that ditch. I can take you to the place. We hit that ditch and called the state trooper. And we walked out of there, called the state trooper. We called, we called Southwest, canceled our flight. The next day was April 27, 2011. All those deadly tornadoes. I'm glad I wasn't in California and left my kids back here when all that happened. I never went to California until last September. After some time, I just decided, I, I, don't, I don't know if the Lord's in that. Now, if you talk to Christy, she thinks, she thinks the Lord was still in that. She thinks we should have went. And I understand her reason, because this is what happened. We sold our house. We moved into a 750-square-foot mobile home. 
with all, and Claire was born there. So seven of us are there, and we ended up staying there for two years. They told me if I went over to the Bible college there that I could graduate in three years. You know how long it was? It was three years before God opened the next door. That's her reasoning. I don't know who's right. I don't know. She's probably right. And the whole, listen, this is, and the whole time I'm trying to figure out, God, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I'm falling apart. That's falling apart. I'd go to the church. I'd lock the doors. I'd lay on my face and I'd cry out to God for hours. And God ain't listening. That's how I felt. God ain't listening. I decided we're going to. I had told my church that we were going to leave. We are going to move to California. I came back to them and said, we're not going to California. If you don't want us to pastor no more, that's okay, I understand. But they didn't want us to go to begin with, so I stayed the pastor. I don't know if that was right or wrong. I don't know, but that's what they wanted. That's what we did. So we just kept going forward. I called. I, I reached out to Don Sisk, and I said, Dr. Sisk, uh, our church has never had a missions Faith Promise Missions Conference. I have never seen one. I've never been a part of one. I sure would like to know how to do one. Could you help me do it? And I've told you that story. He came. He came and we had our first missions conference. It was phenomenal. Then he introduced me to Pastor. He, he, he came down here in August of 2012. Y'all hadn't been in this auditorium for very long. And I come in here and I met Pastor Lewis. And we start a friendship, and I'd come occasionally, and we'd talk occasionally, just on occasion. Church had called me in Pennsylvania, want me to come in Lancaster, Pennsylvania, of all places. Want me to come pastor there. And I'd talk to Pastor Lewis, and I said, I don't, I don't think this is right. And he says, I don't think it's right. He says, I don't think that's where God wants you to be. I said, I, I, didn't, I didn't think that. I just wanted some counsel. So we didn't go. And next thing I know, he, started, he starts sending me my name to other pastors. And these pastors would call me up and they'd say, Hey, Pastor Lewis had referred you to us and we want, I, I just want thinking about having you on the staff. I'm not going to mention their name because they may not want to be a social media today. So, but they didn't hire me. One, one really, really wanted me. Big name preacher. Been here, he's preached here. He really, really wanted me, and he got to talking to his finance guy, and his finance guy said, we can't do it. We can't hire another guy. Then there was another one who was connected to here. He wanted me to come there. But it just, just things both sides. We just didn't feel like it was the right time. Things just weren't right. And I remember we were in Gatlinburg, in a January, I think it was January, I was just trying to get away. I was just trying to get away. And Pastor called, and I said, listen, Pastor, I appreciate what you're trying to do. I said, but God's not in this. I said, I, I appreciate it, and I appreciate you trying to help me and help me grow. I said, I appreciate that, but listen, we're just going to be right where we are. And we're going to let God use us right where we are. So we decided we're going to buy, we're going to buy this little 10-acre mini farm that had been for sale. We're going to buy that 10-acre mini farm. Man, it was back off the woods. Christy always wanted a small farm that was five minutes from a Walmart. We found it. Found it. You can't, 
I said, you're never going to find that. Let Christy pray. She'll find it. <laughs> Found it, man. Had a little pond. It's beautiful. Just beautiful. We found that. We could afford it. We had this money where we sold our house, made a little money off the house, and could do that. It was going to build us a house. That's what we're going to do. I told pastor, I said, listen, we're going to buy this land. I said, I'm going to pastor that church. This is where God wants me to be. It's obvious that he doesn't want me to be anywhere else. This is what we're going to do. He said, all right. I went to that guy and said, hey, I'm interested in buying this property. And he said, my wife and I was just talking the other day. We decided not to sell it. Why? God, do you not know we're in a 750 square foot mobile home? Do you not know that? Do you not know that we're crowded and cramped? All seven of them? Why? I keep praying. And you keep shutting door after door after door after door. And then pastor came to me sometime later. And he said, hey, I know that y'all have already bought that property. But I can't get you off my mind. I wanted to know if you'd be interested in coming and be on my staff. And I said, I'll pray about it. Because <laughs> that's what you're supposed to say. I'll pray about it. I called Christy and I said, well, he just asked me. He invited me on a trip and he just asked me to come on staff. She said, what'd you say? And I said, I'll pray about it. She said, are you stupid? <laughs> We've been praying about it. That's my wife. We've been praying about it. It's 11 months before we actually set foot here. And you go through those three years and the pastor gets sick. And we had talked about it from the beginning. Pastor, I'm a pastor. I said, I'm here to learn. I'm here to help you. I said, but I'm a pastor. And I said, I'm going to go pastor again. He says, about three years. In three years, he came out of cancer. And so I came to him and I said, I said, I think it's time. He says, all right. We ended up in Georgia for that short period of time. And I'm not going to go into all the things, but y'all remember everything that I was dealing with emotionally and the struggles that I was. And, and you could throw all of those years of, I don't, know, I don't know what God's doing. All of those years, and emotionally it just begins to build up. And you feel broken. And I went down there and spent a year there and helping that church transition. And we passed it off to the next assistant pastor. And I came back here and I just said, I, I called pastor up. I said, listen, uh, we're, we're coming back home. And I said, I just want to come to church. And there's a whole lot more in that conversation. And I remember coming back and he called me on the Saturday before. And he says, you're going to be here Sunday? And I said, I... I'll be here Sunday night. I said, I'm not going to be here Sunday morning. And I said, I'll come Sunday night. And I came late. I came late because I was embarrassed to show my face here. 
I didn't know what you would think of me. So we came, I made, we, we rode around here until about 6.05, and then we came in, and then we went up there and sat in the balcony. Right where the cults are. We sat right there. I didn't think he saw me. He got up there and preached, gave, you know, those famous words, and he saw me up there. And he said that Chris and Clemens' family are back, and people got excited, and he said, no, we're just here. Because to be honest with you, I was done. I was done. And I went in that office afterwards, and every, we met with some of the leadership, and everybody left, and we sat in that office. And I was broken, and I cried. And I told him, I said, Pastor, I'm, I'm scared to be here. I said, I don't want everybody to think I failed. I said, I don't feel like I failed. I said, but I'm hurting. And pastor told me those words. He says, he says, Ricky, you have lived your life in a way that you have no reason to hang your head. And what you're forgetting is these people love you. Just let them love on you. And we left, and that's when I got up, and I said, do you realize we're right back where we started? I said, you're in the same chair, I'm in the same chair. I said, I'm, I'm crying to you, <laughs> and you're giving advice. I said, we're right back where we started. And that was our last meaningful conversation. And I spend, uh, I spend several months, and I am... I am done. And I ain't sharing it with nobody, but I am done. Oh, I got I to gotta hide it a little bit. But I just want to come in at the time church starts. I want to see it, and I want to leave. Are you with me? And you get, you get that time, and you get in the Word of God, and you realize God always sees you, and God still loves you. That's where you say amen. I'm just about done. God loves you. He saw you way back there. He's always had a plan for your life. Sometimes it just takes, some, it just takes God's time, and it gets you there. And the whole time, you're trying to put the pieces together. God, why aren't you doing this? Why is this happening? Why am I going through this? Why do I feel this way? Lord, forgive me, I messed up. All of these things, and you feel broken and have fallen apart, and what you realize is this. God knows exactly where you are. And he knows exactly how you feel. He knows exactly where he wants you to be. And he hasn't given up on you. And what I learned through all of that is this, this right here. You don't have to have all the pieces put together. 
And life at times can feel like it's falling apart. And sometimes there's things that you've done that you feel ashamed of. All of those things. And sometimes there's things where you've done right and it seems like nothing goes right. And what I've learned through all of it, and this is, this is the main thing that I'm teaching you today. God blesses faithfulness. Just don't quit on him. Don't quit, church. Our life would look considerably... I, I told you I was done. I, I felt like I was done when I came back to Somerville in 2020. I felt like I was done. But here's the thing. I felt like I was done for ministry, but I wasn't done with the Lord. And so I just kept coming to church. Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, in the Bible every day. And I learned God, God hadn't left me. And sometimes people make this mistake. They just leave. And you're running away from the Lord. And you're trying to do life your own way. Just stay faithful. Abraham messed up. He messed up. And there were times where he got impatient. But God never gave up on him, and God's plan was still fulfilled. And it took 25 years. Nobody wants that. And, and, and a lot of things weren't even going to happen until 400 years later. Nobody wants to think of that. We always, right now, right now, right now. God knows where you are. God knows, God knows your hurts. God knows what you're going through. And God knows, God knows your personal life. God knows where your marriage is. God knows where your relationships with your family is. God knows all of those things. He's still God. And he still loves you. And sometimes you go through sickness and you think, well, where is God? He's still God. He's still right there. And sometimes you don't have all the answers and you can't put all the pieces together. But in our, in our dispensation of grace, we can say this. We can look back and say, there was Jesus. I didn't know it at the time. But now I look back. And all of those hardships, all of those steps got me to right where I am today. It got me to where I am today. And for some, it gets you to the foot of the cross where you realize Jesus is the only way. And for some, it gets you back to the Father's house because you should have never left to begin with. And for some, you hadn't left, but you, your heart has gotten hard. And you're still here, and you're still faithful, and you're always there, but you are not where you're supposed to be spiritually. Your heart has grown hard, and you're finding fault with everybody else. And what I want us to realize this is he's still there. And all that he has is yours. Isn't God good? Now, don't use any of that against me. I'm just being real to you. Sometimes life is hard. Sometimes we come to church and we don't feel like it. 
God knows where we are. Let's bow our heads, please.